0: Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Every week, we strive to present the truth and love of Jesus to the heart of our community through music, art, and public speaking. Today, we continue with our study through 1 Corinthians, and we hope you are encouraged by this message. Let's get started. Well, welcome to Renaissance. My name is Jeff, and I am one of the leaders here. And I would ask you to turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bible. If you have a Bible with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week, we started the study in the first part of chapter 12, and today we're going to finish the second half of chapter 12. And one of the things that we love to do here at Renaissance is just study through books of the Bible. So back in February, we started this study in 1 Corinthians, and we're just making our way through Um, I looked at the calendar this week. We should be finished just before Christmas, so we're looking forward to picking a new book after Christmas. Um, As you're turning there, I just want to remind some of us, if you are here last week, kind of some of the things that the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, which is really what we're reading. We're reading a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to Christians in the church that he established in that Greek city called Corinth. They're a very diverse people group that have become Christians, formed a church in the city, and yet in some of their immaturity, factions and divisions were breaking out in the church. And Paul hears of this, and he writes a letter to sort of rebuke them, encourage them in the right things they're doing, but also to rebuke them for the wrong things that they're doing. And so last week, we began to study this thing called spiritual gifts. And Paul talks about gifts given by the Spirit of God to the people in the church. And yet, in the immaturity of some of the Corinthian believers, they were using their spiritual gifts, some of them, to look down upon others who didn't have the same spiritual gift, saying something like this, well, I have the gift of healing or the gift of miracles, and you just have the gift of hospitality. Or administration. And so your gift isn't nearly as spiritual or as important as mine, so I'm a better or more spiritual Christian than you. Than you. Now you can see that that's broken thinking. Would you agree? Uh, say yes and I'll move on. <laughs> yes, that's broken thinking. Yes, we don't think that way at all. But we talked about these gifts being given by the Spirit, and he reminds them that the gifts were not even get, um, earned from them right? None of the work that they've done has caused God to give them these gifts. In fact, Paul uses the word charismata, which means grace gift. It's free to them. So why they were arguing and debating and dividing amongst themselves based on the gift that they'd been given, he just did not understand. And so at the end of my conversation last week, I said something about diversity and unity. And I want to spend today's passage speaking about diversity and unity. I ended last week with this idea that God is desirous of us to be united underneath the lordship of his son Jesus. Would you agree with that? Yes. The answer is yes to that. And yet he also is diverse in how he gives out his gifts to his people. The people he calls to himself are diverse. So he wants us to be a diverse people group yet united underneath him, My question that I was asking all week, and this is, I don't know if you do this, but I just do like one thought every once in a while. I get stuck in my head, lather, rinse, repeat over and over. I was asking God this question. What's the difference between unity and uniformity? Unity and uniformity. Because I believe God is calling us towards unity not uniformity. In fact, if I could say this, I'll I'll, I'll try to say this as best I can. I would argue you can't have unity without diversity first. This is what we're going to talk about. I want you to see this. Without diversity, where there's a bunch of different people groups, a bunch of different uh, gifts, if you will, without the diversity there, God can't unite all of them together by the power of his spirit. If we're all the same to start with, that's, that's called uniformity, and that's not what God is looking towards. And so we can just work with a couple definitions of unity and uniformity. Unity would be this, that we would all come together under one belief or ideology or system of ideas if you will and we would be united underneath that in all of our purposes our missions and our goals so christians we would say are united by the spirit of god called together into one group one the church if you will and we have the same purpose the same mission and same goal i'll remind you what our purpose mission and goal is our purpose is to glorify god and everything we do say amen yes that's it that's what we've been called to do. That's what we've been saved to do is to glorify God in everything. And it is our great desire to do so. And we're united in the same mission. In fact, Jesus give, gives us that mission in Matthew chapter 28, the great commission, where he says, go into all the earth and proclaim the good news about me. So we are people who tell people about the truth and love of Jesus. That's the language that we use here at Renaissance. And we are all united underneath that mission. And then lastly, we have the same goal. And our goal is this, is to be conformed into the image of Jesus on the earth. That is our goal. That's what we want to do. Hear me when I say this. When we go to Walmart (laughs) to buy frozen waffles or whatever your thing is, right? We want people to see Jesus in the Walmart in us. The the Bible even uses language like this, that there there would be an aroma of Christ on us, that people would would know that there's something unique about us. And should they get to know us better, they would know that it's Jesus. How many of us would admit that we've probably worked with someone like this before? You didn't know them real well, but as you get to know them, you're like, man, that guy's just a little different. Not in like a bad way, but there's something really unique about him. And then come to find out later, you learn that he or she is a Christian, and you're like, that's it. I could tell there was something at work. Well, that, that is a great goal for us in, in our lives. Uniformity, on the other hand, is not that. Uniformity looks like this. We have the same ideology, maybe the same theology or whatever, same belief system, but it's worked out in the same patterns, the same behaviors. There's this homogeny, the sameness in everything. And I'm here to tell you that is not at all what God is after. And how many people rejoice in that? Who wants to be a unique individual in Christ? Me, me. I des- I'm desperate for that, right? But what's interesting in the church, capital C church, around the globe, there's great disagreement. Even though all of us would say we're united under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we disagree with how a lot of these things living the Christian life is supposed to be lived. There's great disagreement on even the definition of the word gospel and how we present the gospel to the world around us. Some people say it should be this. Others say it should be this and this. And others say it should be this, this, and this. And they just make it sound confusing. There are people out there who would argue on who can preach the gospel. Some people are allowed, some people are not. Sorry, ladies, there are some denominations who would forbid you from standing in this position and proclaim the good news of Jesus. Just so you know, I disagree with that. There's no unity in that. What they're looking for is uniformity, that we would all be the same. Not just who can preach the gospel, but to whom it can be preached to. And then there are certain things like what a person should wear when they preach the gospel just so you know, I'm a jeans and a t-shirt kind of guy. I mean, may, are we clear with that? I just want to, well, it wasn't always the case for me. I shared this story before, so if you've heard it, forgive me, but may I remind you, I have but one life to live, and all the examples come from that life. So if you've heard this before, I apologize. But I remember when I was a young Christian, my wife and I had just been married a year or two, and it was awesome. This is that time before kids. no, you're, you're, you're mishearing me. Once I had kids, it got awesomer. I'm just saying, safe. I'm just saying it was awesome. And, um, I had fallen in love with Jesus and his church. And I mean that sincerely. I, I love Jesus. And I'm standing on a Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church. And I'm tucking my polo shirt into my khaki pants and cinching up my belt. And as clear as any voice I've ever heard, I sense the Lord speak to me, and he asked me this question. He says, who are you? Which threw me back a little bit, because I wanted to say, Lord, of all people, you should know who I am. I mean, you saved me. You saved me out of the brokenness and sinful life that I was in. You, you rescued me in my deplorable state. You, you gave me a hope that I never thought imaginable. Who, who am I? How, how could you forget? And he, he's like, I haven't forgotten, Jeff. I think you have forgotten. Who are you? What he was saying to me is like, Jeff, just so you we're clear, you're not a polo and khakis kind of guy. <laughs> And I mean that sincerely. What was happening in my life, the church that I was attending was very much a polos and khaki kind of church. And slowly I was conforming and becoming uniform in the uniform of the Christians in that church. I was beginning to be like them. And the Lord, in his great love for me, said, "Uh uh-uh. It's not who I've asked you to be. It's not who you are. Let me ask you, Jeff, do you feel comfortable in this? I don't. I love weddings. I look forward to preaching weddings. I I love it. There's only one thing I do not like about weddings. It's the suit. (laughs) If I could preach in jeans and a t-shirt, I would do them all the time. It's the suit. There's just something in me. And I don't get frustrated by that. And And in our cultural context, when people are getting married, I gladly wear suits. It's not my thing. It's the bride's thing. Say amen. (laughs) <laughs> it's the bride's thing. I'm just saying. So we do whatever she wants. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But there are many people who disagree with that. And they think that if you're going to believe a certain thing, that you have to act a certain way and you have to dress a certain way and all of your language should be the same too. And I'm here to tell you that's uniformity. And that's not at all what God is desiring for us. He wants diversity, as I said before. We cannot truly have unity right? Where God pulls us all together without diversity first. And so three things I want to tell us today as we go through this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 is we need to recognize the diversity around us. We need to encourage the diversity that's around us, and then we should celebrate the diversity when we see it in the church, okay? So that being said, let's read From chapter 12 through verse 31 together, we will put the words on the screen for you, and you can follow along there. All right, verse 12, he says, For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, "'Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, "'and all were made to drink of one spirit. "'For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. "'If the foot,' he said, "'should say, because I am not a hand, "'then I do not belong to the body, "'that would not make it any less a part of the body. "'And if the ear should say, "'because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, "'that would not make it any less a part of the body. "'If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, he says, God has arranged the members in the body and each one of them as he, God, chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21, the eye, he says, cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now he says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping administration and various kinds of tongues. Just so you know, Paul is alluding back to a previous list that he had given early in chapter 12. And you can go back later on your own time and read some of that stuff. And he's putting them together, just reminding them that it is God who has put together all the different people groups. Okay, just so we're clear on all of that. And then he finishes kind of with this series of rhetorical, question, uh, rhetorical questions, the answer to which all is no for all of them. Starting here in verse 29, he says, Are all apostles, are are all prophets? are all teachers. Do all people work in miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, he says. And I will show you, he says, a still more excellent way. Now, this is a sort of preface to what Paul's going to jump into in chapter 14, But before we get to chapter 14, we have to work in chapter 13, which is the chapter of love for everybody's putting together a wedding right now. It's the chapter of love, right? Love is patient, love is kind. So Paul's going to go to that place. And what he would say is, is he wants people to pursue those types of gifts and we'll get to them later. But for us right now, I want to spend time talking about the diversity that God is putting together in his church through his work and yet still called one body. So if that's clear, let's pray. God, we thank you for everything you do. We are a people who come before you boldly, not because of the work that we do or the the work that we think you owe us, but because of the work that your son Jesus has performed for us. The Bible tells us that Jesus went to the cross for sinful people like us and And he absorbed the punishment for sin, our sin. And when he died on the cross, he was buried in the grave. And God, you raised him from the dead, the firstborn in the resurrection, that we too, through faith in him, might also be reborn into new creatures. And so, God, we thank you for the new work that you've done in our lives. And we ask now through your Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would meet us here that we have no desire to check off the obligatory box of having attended church this week. That is not our heart's desire. Our desire, God, is to encounter you, to sense you, to hear you, to learn from you, to have our life marked by this very night where you spoke to us. God, I pray that you would come through your spirit. I pray that we would know that you are here, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Paul begins in verse 12 with this idea that there is a body. The body is one. It has many members, but the body is one. Elsewhere in the the Bible, we learn That Paul uses language speaking of the church that it is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. Yes, yes, Christ is the head. And we have been called, um, people say this, the hands and the feet of Jesus. We get to walk on the earth and show the compassion and love and the service of Jesus to all of the people around us. And this is a metaphor that Paul is using to describe the church united as one body yet made up of diverse parts. But it starts with the Spirit of God. Look here in verse 13. He says, For it is in one Spirit that we were all baptized into one body. The end of that verse says all were made to drink of one Spirit. There is some debate as to what this baptism and or drinking of the Spirit means. The idea is this. It is the Spirit of God that's repeated. It is the spirit of God that Paul makes mention twice. So that's the important thing. Know this, it is the spirit of God who fashions us into the body of Christ. Paul writes later in Romans chapter eight that it is the spirit of God who who allows us to be called children of God. Galatians chapter two or three, I can't remember which. It is that that marks the beginning of the Christian experience in our life. Earlier, Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter two that it is the spirit within us that, that allows us to discern whether or not a person's a believer or not a believer. The Spirit of God is incredibly important to the life of the believer and the life of the church. Agreed? Yes. And yet, and yet, there is so much division about the Spirit of God and his work in the church. Consider the irony of that for a moment. It is the Spirit of God drawing all people together in the church, and the church argues as to what the Spirit of God can and cannot do in the church. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I argue. (laughs) That is ridiculousness, I'm just saying. That is not at all what God wants us to do. He wants us to be united in his spirit. And he says that he does all of this, whether you are a Jew or a Greek, whether you are a slave man or a free man. He says God brings all the people from diverse people groups. Paul is, again, talking to the city of Corinth, where they're all diverse, and he says God has chosen so many different people and called them unto himself. It is a reminder that when Christ died on the cross, he died for all of us. Yes? When Christ was buried in the grave and raised again on the third day, he was raised for all of us. Yes? And why is that important? Because the Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so for God, he's He's saying this. Peter writes this later in the New Testament. He says, it is God's great desire that all of us would come to repentance and to know him. God wants that for all of us. And he is not just looking for a certain people group who act a certain way, speak a certain language. He's looking for all people to come to know him. And the question I ask is, are we, the church, desiring the same thing? Or do we too often want more people who just look like us and sound like us and, heaven forbid, smell like us. I don't know. If that were the case, Joe would be out. Just don't. out. I'm sorry, Joe, are you awake now? I'm sorry. If you're visiting, Joe stumbles in every now and again. He's one of our friends. We love Joe. So anyways, but what, where was I? Anyway, so Paul and Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. It says, um, and we talked about this last week too, that God gives the gifts and he chooses those people that he wants in his body. And yet some people, for whatever reason, have this insecurity in the gifts that God has given them. And we found this in the church in Corinth. And Paul writes about this in verse 15 and 16. He says this. He says, if the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, then I don't belong to the body. Or verse 16, he says, because I'm not an eye, then I don't belong to the body. And these people, unfortunately, had been taught to believe that because their gift wasn't like the other gifts in the church, that somehow they don't belong. And and Paul just says it's ridiculous. The insecurity in your gift is not from God, it's not from Him. Here's the reality. I have a gift, for example, that's a little more prominent than maybe some of your gifts. I have the opportunity to stand on this platform every week underneath the lights with the face mic, and I get to teach. It's one of the things I love to do. But hear me when I say this. My gift for the church is no more important than the countless volunteers that work next door every Sunday morning serving our over 100 kids or so that sit in those services, Just because you don't see them and maybe you don't know their name does not mean that those people aren't important. There are people in the church who have the gift of hospitality or administration or of helps, and you might never know their name. There are people who serve this church by washing toilets for you. And you would never know them. And some would feel less than in the body of Christ. Some would feel less than in the church. And I would partner with. And parrot, if you will, or echo the words of Paul, it says that's ridiculous. Just because you're not just like the other person, it doesn't mean you're less than. Of course, you are still part of the body. Side note, maybe there's some people here in the church, and I've been like this, so I'm not judging anyone here, but this was my experience. I was attending church for some many years, and still feeling somewhat of a disconnect with the people around me. I've been coming for a while, but just not connecting. Love the message, love the music, love Jesus, the whole thing, but just not connecting. Anyone? Don't raise your hand. Anyone? Right? And what I found is when I started serving the church, when I started exercising the gift, how God made me and wired me through his great wisdom, when I started using that in the church, as Paul says in verse 7, for the common good, all of a sudden I began to connect. All of a sudden, I loved the people around me. All of a sudden, the people were, no, were less like just people I went to church with, but they became family, brothers and sisters that I went to church with. So we need to recognize first that God has called many people with different gifts, and he's put them in the church by his own will. Yay! But we need to encourage people to use their gifts in the church. So this is not a call for volunteers. Hear me. But we need volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that. But just know this might be the greatest thing that would, would help you in your faith walk with Jesus. So some people, unfortunately, feel insecure in their gifts or how God has chose to use them. And conversely, many people feel arrogant with their gifts. And Paul writes about this in verse 21. He says that the eye cannot say to the hand that I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet that I have no need of you. I love that Paul uses parts of the body that are higher up, the eye and the head, to look down upon the hands and the feet, the other parts of the body. He says this is happening in the church in Corinth, and I wonder if it doesn't happen in the church around us as well, that people with some of these other gifts that they assume to be higher callings look down upon others who don't have those gifts. As I said earlier, (laughs) they're equal in my eyes. They're equal in God's eyes for sure. And we need all people using all their gifts to serve for the common good in the church. God is desirous to use all the diversity that he's created in us to put together one healthy and happy body. Verse 18, and we know that this is God who does it all anyways. He said, it is God who has arranged the members in the body and he's done for each one of them as he has chosen to do. I mentioned earlier the Corinthian church were arguing over their gifts because theirs, one was greater than the other. And, and Paul reminds them, listen, God did this, not you. And I say it again, God has done this, not because of you, oftentimes in spite of you. God has chosen to use you in the way he wants to use you. He says he arranged the members of the body. When I read that, my mind flashed back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 where God creates everything, right? day one, day two, day three. And on day six, it says that he made man. You remember reading that? And it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground. Like everything else he spoke into existence. Let there be, let there be, let there be. Sounds like a Beatles song, but it was just creation happening, right? <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, so he's, he speaks and then and then in this moment he Paul is saying just as when God created mankind and formed him by his own hands and breathed the breath of life into him in creation so he has done in the church. He has apportioned and called and chosen the members in the church diverse as they are, brought them together, empowered and gifted by his spirit with life For the common good. We cannot ever achieve unity without the diversity that God is desiring for his church. We cannot. On repeat these last many months, I have been praying for diversity in this church. Maybe praying is too weak of a word. I've been pleading with him. I've been pleading with him. God, please make us look less like me in the church. Last week, I asked you to join me in my prayer, asking God to send people who speak English as a second language to this church, and then find a way for us to communicate with them that's beneficial and helpful and builds them up in their walk with Christ as well. I've asked God to send more people of color. I have been praying God would send staff members, people, pastors, people who work in the church who look less like me. This is my great desire, and, and just so you know, I'm a bold prayer as I said last week, and I believe when we pray for these things, God will honor them. I also know when I say some of those things, many of you feel uncomfortable because you're quite content with doing church the way it is right now. Brother Jeff, some might say. You don't ever call me Brother Jeff in front of me, just so you know. <laughs> but... <laughs> Brother Jeff, they might say, I don't, I don't want to worship with those people or something. I don't know what it is. And I would lovingly, and I mean this sincerely, I would lovingly say, then this might not be the church for you. It just might not. And I don't, again, I'm, it's not like we're kicking you out into the cold and the dark. There are 160 something other churches in the city, you'll find one that fits your needs. But for us, I'm desiring to be the thing that God is asking us to be. And for us to look that way, we have to just look differently. So God is the one who does this. He fashions, he arranges, we read in verse 18. And he does so as he chooses. So good. Back to the idea of feeling insecure in your gift or feeling arrogant in your gift. You have to stop those things because both those things are birthed out of this thing called pride. Pride. It's either false humility or or arrogance or whatever, but we have to stop thinking that. It is God who has chosen to do this. And know this, God doesn't make mistakes. In his infinite wisdom, he has chosen you and gifted you the way he wants you to operate in the church. Again, if you feel insecure in that, let us encourage you. We'll find a place for you. You might think your place is up here playing guitar or something. And then we'll find out it's not your gift. (laughs) Very publicly, we'll figure that out. (laughs) Oh my, you have gifts, my friend, but this ain't one of them. (laughs) And that's okay. We will encourage you to find another place. In fact, I'll tell you this. I will spend my time helping you become the greater guitar player that you want to be. If you feel called to do this, I, as a guitar player, I will come alongside you and help you become a guitar player. Anyways, so I encourage you, go into that. God doesn't make mistakes. He's chosen you to do what you want to do. Um, Maybe a side note here would be smart to add. Um, Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? He he is 100% all of these things. So he's 100% hospitality, 100% administration. He's the prophet of all prophets. He can heal anybody like nobody we know. I mean, this guy does all of those things at 100, yes? And for the church to fully look like Jesus, then we must see all of these things operating in the church. We have to see the fullness of who he is in the church. I know how good, I know how great God is as a giver, like giving his life for me. I, like I Mentally, I sin to this idea because I read about it in scripture. But I've seen how great of a giver God really is when somebody who's gifted with the gift of giving, right? When someone just loves to give lavishly. You know people like this? They're constantly bringing over things when you don't even ask them for them. Today, I got pumpkin bars. Huh, it was wonderful, <laughs> But listen, in this church, I've experienced God's givingness because people like you who operate in that exercise the gift here. And if everyone begins to operate in the way God has created them, we'll start seeing him all over the place. And the church all of a sudden begins to look like this picture, this full picture of who Jesus is. And it will blow our mind, but you wait for the people driving down the road. They soon will hear of it as well. Much like Jesus' renown was great, so will his renown be great in the church. And I don't just mean renaissance. I mean the church, although I look for it here. We need all the different members operating together. Verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, then where would the sense of smell be? Verse 19, if all were just a single member, where would the body be? I mean, we would be, if we were all just hands, then our body would just look like a big hand. (laughs) Scene. <laughs> don't you shake your Don't you shake your head at me, Brock? It's funny, and you know it. This is called preparation and follow through. <laughs> and some of you are going, and this is my church. This is so great. We recognize the the diversity that God is wanting for his church. We encourage others to operate in that fully. We encourage. Succeed, fail, doesn't matter. We encourage. We encourage. I've had people come and pray for me. Jeff, I think the Lord has been speaking to me about you, and he wants to share this with you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I've had people tell me things about my life that were 100% wrong. 100% wrong. And yet I encourage them to try again. I have prayed for people, and I say things all the time when I pray for someone. Um, Not just praying like, hey, God bless them, help them in this financial thing, or help them with what's going on in their life. But like, like, can I just, I'm like, like, they're asking me, pray for me, like specifically. I'm like, okay, so I'll pray for you. And sometimes I'll get this sense that God wants to say something to them. And I always lead with this. This might be God speaking right now. Or it might not. So, what I'm about to say, if it resonates with you, if it makes sense to you, if something inside of you stirs up or begins to blossom by these words, then we'll trust it to be from the Lord. And if it doesn't, then just throw it away. It doesn't matter, but we practice, we encourage, we work towards this diversity. Um, hoping that God would unite us together in his son, Jesus. And then lastly, I just want to close with this verse right here, verse 27. He says, as a reminder to them, he says, now you, you are the body of Christ, he says, and individually members of it. If you're a person who writes in your Bible or any, and I'm that guy, I'm telling you, it's exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, that God has chosen you to be a member of his body. He has chosen you and wants to use you for the good of his people and the world. We celebrate that. He's chosen many of you (laughs) in spite of you. Everything in your life you were convinced was headed a different way. You had, they say, the plans purposes, all mapped out for your life. And yet, if you were to be honest with yourself, you never seem to gain traction in this life that you've formulated for yourself. And through many trials and failures and trials and failures and anxiety and depression and the wake of, for some of you like me, the wake of debauchery that just sort of follows you wherever you go, God whispered into your situation and said, hey, Why don't you follow me instead of following yourself? And in the middle of that, God, like that big claw thing that just, like, and it's not just that it comes down and grabs you, but that you reach up and grab a hold of it. And he pulls you out of where you are and sets you in something brand new. Paul says, verse 27 to the church in Corinth. And I say, verse 27 to the church that sits in this church or this building tonight you are the body of Christ that God has chosen you and you are individually members of it I need you to hear me say that you are a member of what God is doing here you are a member of what God is doing here God needs you Uh, we need you to do what God is asking you to do here. God desires you to do what only you can do for his church, okay? So we recognize the diversity, we encourage people in it, and then we celebrate what God does, what only God can do. Amen? Amen. I, I don't know about you, but I had uh, fun. So I'm going to pray for us. <laughs> pray for us and ask God ask God to do really big and good things for us even yet tonight bow your heads with me God we again come to you through your son Jesus and again I just can't say enough of this Jesus is the big deal here we come before you in his name if you see goodness in us, it is because of your son, Jesus. If you see holiness in in us, it is because of your son, Jesus. And so we stand in front of you in Jesus. And God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. And we ask now that we would experience new things in our life. Even as these words have been spoken tonight um, from Paul and and these other words, God, that you would just speak to them and lay them into our hearts and they would begin to do something in us that only you can do. So God, I pray now that as we go back into a time of singing and of worship and as we declare and sing the words on the screen, God, that you would supernaturally in some God-amazing way that you would cause the words that leave our lips to be made true to us. That as we say things about your Lordship, kingship and how great you are and how powerful you are and how you can do anything. When we say those things, that deep inside of us, it would become true. We would walk out of here with a faith established and settled in who you are. Jesus, I pray from your throne in heaven, may you peer down tonight and see your sons and your daughters, your brothers and your sisters, the one the ones who you have chosen to save, would you see us worshiping you tonight? May you receive all the glory for what we do. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message was an encouragement to you. Walking in faith can be difficult, but we are constantly working to remind people of the truth and love of Jesus, and we want you to be a part of that. So head over to our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, or connect with us online at renaissancedecatur.org and help us make a difference in the heart of our city.